Tired of complex and high credit card processing fees? It's time to simplify. Whether you own a big business or a small startup, Empower Payments can save you money. Streamline your payment process while saving money today with Empower Payments. Learn more at EmpowerPayments.com. That's EmpowerPayments.com. The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all-natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. All right, we continue from Rally House Power and Light District downtown, right on Grand, where the parade will be tomorrow. We'll be broadcasting uh, at the parade tomorrow as well. 12.45 is when the uh, stage presentation, the celebration on stage at Union Station, will take place. Uh, we'll talk with Myron Medcalf here, but uh, real quick, uh, Patrick Mahomes today on his uh, tweeting game. Uh, he has been tweeting a lot today, so apparently he got his rest because uh, he told uh, ESPN and NFL Network as he did his uh, media rounds from Disneyland yesterday uh, that he was eventually going to get some sleep. Um, but uh, he has retweeted already. Rasheed Rice saying, uh, man, all ready for next season. He's uh, retweeted uh, a picture of himself drinking a Coors Light, soaking it all in. Uh, also tweeted, Chiefs Kingdom, let's do it big tomorrow. See you guys at the parade. He has uh, then been showing a lot of love to his teammates, retweeted, uh, retweeted Peter Schrager's um, tweet about Trent McDuffie being a stud. He retweeted Lewis Riddick and uh, his comments about uh, Trent McDuffie and Ladarius Sneed. He retweeted um, uh, stats about Shamari Connor. He's retweeted stats about Mike Pinnell, said that, uh, tweeted out, that man butt kicker is really like that. Um, if you're wanting to uh, tweet something at Patrick Mahomes, today might be the day because he's clearly around his phone on Twitter. I don't know. He might be bored. He's got the day off. What do I do? Like everybody else, Myron, what do you do with the day off? He's just chilling at home on his couch, just scrolling through Twitter right now. <laughs> Not a bad life, huh? I mean, if you're yeah. him, man, Not I bad. mean, what, what Not a performance. Bad at all. That we witnessed. Not man. bad at all. He's man. the greatest ever. He's the greatest ever. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I, you know what? And uh, and and I've talked about that too. I'm like, look, if people want to argue like the most accomplished in seven Super Bowls, that's fine. He's the best player I've ever seen uh, play quarterback. He's just simply the best. And what he does in crunch time and how he does it and takes the ability of so many different playmakers and guys who were gunslingers but, you know, had a bunch of interceptions and, and then combines that with the common cool of a Tom Brady, you know, of a Peyton Manning in the pocket and doing all of those different things. And it's like combined in one package that he was created in a lab almost. There's nothing like it. You know, and, and my thing is like it in overall – Athletes only get better. Like, there's no generation that can say, you know, we were better 20 years ago. There's no sport where that's true. I mean, between the technology, nutrition, everything we know, like, athletes today are better than than they've ever been. So this is the greatest NFL we've ever seen in terms of talent and competitiveness, and here he is dominating that. Like, what his path to three was more difficult than Brady's path to to three just because of the players that he had to face. But – that second quarter play where he's rolling to his left, throws, I think, 54 air yards uh, to Miko Harmon. I, I mean, mm-hmm. like, who, who can do that? You know what I mean? Like, we've never seen anyone do anything like that. I mean, he, he to me, is the best player we have ever seen play quarterback. And, and I don't think there's a debate against that. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Myron Metcalf is our guest uh, from ESPN. When we have Myron on, it's benefiting Jackson County CASA, court-appointed special advocates, community volunteers just like you, stand up and speak out to help children who have been exper- who have experienced abuse or neglect. They help train and support CASA volunteers to advocate for the best interests of children. Jackson County CASA-MO.org, Jackson, Jackson County CASA-MO.org. You do a show on Sundays, and it's not just college basketball. We have you on during the the college basketball season to talk college basketball but Chiefs winning back-to-back Super Bowls I am curious on uh, your reaction we talked about specifically Patrick Mahomes and, and maybe that's the takeaway in the reaction but uh, uh, Chiefs uh, three in five years and the first back-to-back in, in 20 years that we've seen in the NFL yeah I think it's a dynasty you know and, and it, it's I think one of the most impressive because again you have to look at the climate you know you have to look at like who you had to beat and the kinds of players you had to beat to get to this point. And then I think to go on the road the way that they did, to, to once again be in a situation where you got to make a play uh, late in the game. And, and, you know, I just don't think, you know, I think we're looking at one of the most dominant NFL teams we've ever seen. Like, to me, that victory is the victory that puts Kansas City in the same conversation with your 70s Steelers, uh, your, your 49ers of the, of the 80s, your Cowboys of the 90s. You know, no one's the Patriots, right, because you get seven. But, I mean, in terms of modern NFL, they're they're there. So, I mean, they're another dynasty. I don't know how many we've had in the NFL, but this is definitely a dynasty. And they don't have to win three in a row to make that happen. I think already they're a dynasty. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's the greatest uh, five-year run of uh, the salary cap era with uh, three Super Bowls in five years, another Super Bowl trip, uh, and a loss in the AFC Championship game. Those are the same that uh, the Patriots went through uh, in the teens of the 2000s, not when they uh, won three out of four. Uh, They also missed the playoffs in one of those years. But in these five years, uh, and those five years for the Patriots, they did the same thing. The Patriots had three Super Bowls. They had a Super Bowl loss, and they had an AFC Championship game loss. The Chiefs had three Super Bowls, a Super Bowl loss, AFC Championship game loss. The Chiefs have won three more games, uh, postseason, regular season combined over these five years than the Patriots did. And I think the fact that they won back-to-back sort of uh, a, a trump uh, on that one, uh, that they did something that is deemed so incredibly difficult to do uh, that they were able to do that. I, I think it's the best five-year stretch we've seen in the salary cap era uh, is this Kansas City Chiefs. And, and we'll see what the next ten years are. But right now, uh, dynasty is certainly a word that's going to be connected to this group. Well, and I think look at who's playing. Has anyone – like, you look at Micah Parsons, man. You look at Miles Garrett. Like, you look at these monsters. Like, and you go just – go YouTube 2002. You know, people want to see. Like, nothing against them. I mean, that's my era. But, like, it's just a different game. The athletes are completely different. I mean, yeah, you have the Ray Lewis types and a handful of anomalies. But, like, like the guys who are playing – Trent Williams, like, these are monsters at every position yeah. – that you have to deal with and, and still find a way to overcome. And it's, it's hard, you know, because you're dealing with the greatest athletes we've ever seen in the NFL. And yet here is Mahomes in Kansas City. I guess the 49ers team had two weeks to prepare. The 49ers team that has been viewed as one of the best defensive teams in the league in recent years. Offensively, more playmakers than, you know, any Super Bowl team we've seen in a long time. And yet you still get a win. I mean, I, I just think this is a – this is Chicago Bulls-like. I mean, this is one of those things where you go, okay, you know what? There's a generation that loves Michael Jordan and a generation that thinks LeBron is the best 
there's a generation that thinks Brady's the best, but there's also a generation now that's going to be like, nah, nobody's better than Mahomes and what he was able to do with that group. Visiting with Myron Metcalf, uh, last one on the football, and then we'll switch to some college basketball, but um, kind of getting uh, national people's uh, thoughts and perspective on this. Um, I remember talking after the Chiefs beat the 49ers in 2020, so the 2019 season, but in 2020, and talking about, okay, how many would you take right now? If, if you can, you know, uh, at, at Super Bowls, like how many would you settle for right now? Um, or, or go to court and, and see if you can win and, and see how many you get. And I'm like, you know what? I think at minimum, like, can you get two? Because, you know, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers only got one, and you look back, like Peyton Manning got two, but he was fighting for that second one for so long. But can you get two with this current group? With At that point, it was Patrick and Travis and Tyreek and uh, Chris Jones, et cetera. Um, and, and I remember that conversation at that time. And now they've already got three, including back-to-back. I said before they beat the Eagles last year, uh, as he still had one, that I thought he would get five in his career uh, after watching what had taken place. So um, I'll ask you, Myron, how many Super Bowls do you think Patrick Mahomes gets to before uh, or wins uh, before uh, he calls it quits? That's a good question. I mean, the the unknown is he turns 29 in September, I believe, right? So the unknown is we watched Brady play until his 40s, and it was this unique thing. Like, what if this generation of quarterbacks, again, modern technology, nutrition, what if a bunch of these, what if playing into your 40s becomes the norm? Like, if you think about it, there's a yeah. world where there are 15 more seasons of Patrick Mahomes. I know that sounds crazy, but there is a world where that's the reality. I mean, LeBron James is almost 40, and he's ready to sign another contract. So what if that's the case? If you tell me he's got 10-plus years in this league, I, mean, I don't know. I think he gets – Three more, um, minimum, but it, it, it won't shock me if he ends up catching Brady or pa- passing Brady. Um, but I also don't think he has to. Like, that's the difference here, too. Like It's not like he has to get seven. The same way Michael Jordan didn't have to get 11 to be Bill Russell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we put everything in perspective in sports, as we should. And we have to acknowledge that this is the most competitive NFL we have ever witnessed, so to win three, four, five is greater than what other quarterbacks have done in past generations. So um, I do think we have to consider the possibility that we might be watching him for 15 more years, as crazy as that sounds. And if that's the case, I wouldn't put any number past him. I just think it would be such a cool story, and I think he should really consider playing until he gets a chance to be teammates with Bronze, his son. Uh, that's just uh, that's yeah, just what I think. Yeah, He's holding them yeah. on stage, and just can we can we get yeah. the picture of them on stage together wearing the same uniform, wearing a Chiefs uniform? I just think that would be really cool, Patrick. Uh, that maybe you should just play until that ultimately happens, man. That's uh, that would be a real father moment. That's just me. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna broadcast possible. until my son uh, until I host the show with him. <laughs> hey, probably possible, man. With uh, that guy, you never yeah. know. You never know. Myron Metcalf from ESPN, he's, uh, when he's on with us, benefiting Jackson County Casa. Uh, all right, what do you make of last night? Um, tough place to play. The the Red Raiders, you know what, everything's coming up Mahomes right now. So with Texas Tech winning like that, uh, I believe Grant McCaslin's son was about to go out on the court and play for another five minutes, maybe give him a couple of trips up and down the court. Uh, what do you make of um, uh, of the Texas Tech win and, and uh, KU losing by that much? I mean, Darren Williams, I believe, is a 34% three-point shoot. I mean, like 34% on the road. Oh, or something is he? Like that or, yeah. Well, but he, he, he's a 43% actually this year. But, like, I mean, he was perfect. I mean, that was, literally, that was literally like one of the greatest performances we've seen. 
like, I mean, I think in the last 25 years, you might be the only guy uh, to, to put up the numbers that he did. I think it was 12 for 12 um, and 30 points, right? So it always feels like I'm sure you're Bill Self. You're like, okay, uh, of course, we're going to play a guy who averages 10 points a game and he's going to score 30 and not miss, right? Like, that, that probably for him is like, of course it's going to happen. But Kevin McCullough matters a, a, a lot. Um, yeah. You know, DeBron, DeBron wasn't healthy. I mean, the ankle is still an issue. I mean, the bigger question for this team is going to be how healthy are you going to be down the stretch? Um, it feels like the Big 12 title is we're at a place where it's like that may not happen without something miraculous because you still have to go, I believe, to Oklahoma, Baylor, and Houston. Uh, and I think with Houston, four of their last seven games are at home. Baylor also has a more favorable schedule. So, I mean, you're, you're in a tough spot. Uh, you're playing for seed at this point, but you're also playing to get healthy and, and make sure you have your guys going into this game. So, um, Texas Tech is a hard place to play, but I think Bill Newt is doing getting tossed. You know, I think he was sending yeah. a message and saying, you know, if we're going to play like this and – I'm going to at least let the officials know what I'm thinking, you know, get a piece of my mind. But I just think health has to be the biggest thing for a team that we watch beat UConn. We know how good Mm -hmm. they can be. They destroyed Houston. But they're just not 100% right now. And they also played a guy who was literally perfect for maybe the first time in like 25 years. So that doesn't happen that often either. Yeah, I mean, he was, um, what, uh, 14 of 14 when he shot the basketball. So uh, 12, of, or, uh, yeah, 12 of 12 from the floor and 2 of 2 from the free throw line. So uh, he threw the basketball at the goal 14 times, and it went in every single time. Uh, that's uh, that's stuff to do in your backyard uh, when you're playing yeah. your horse with, uh, with friends, and he did that against KU and a defensive team. Do you think Bill was looking for the double tech or just wanted to let it know that, uh, look, I, I'm mad about uh, what's going on here in this game. I want it to be known. Uh, the double tech I thought was warranted when he looked right. I can't remember which official. And he said, you're a joke. I'm like, oh, that might be done. Yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. might be it. You tell, yeah. Not that that, jo- that call was bad. You are yeah. a joke. Uh, that might be it, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I think Bill did. I mean, not after the game, he was like, he wasn't looking for it. But I, I think in the moment he was, you know. I think in the moment. And listen, we're, we're, you're in the Big 12 where Scott Drew had never been tossed. He got tossed. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin Sampson had never been tossed at Houston. He got tossed. And now Bill Self for the first time in his uh, tenure at Kansas. So, you know, interesting stuff happened with the Big 12. But, see, I, I think it was a moment of frustration, like, the thing about this Kansas team is we know at full strength they can literally beat the best team in America. We've watched it. They can play at that level. It's why I think a lot of bracketologists still have them as a two-seed. But the floor is lower, you know, mm-hmm. because there isn't as much depth. Um, and now you lose a guy like Kevin, and it's like, okay, we're good, but we're not in a position where everybody just takes that sort of next man up thing um, and we can beat everybody. I know they did against Baylor, but doing it in back-to-back games is more difficult. Uh, I think especially with the style of Texas Tech plays and just being in that building. But if they get to the tournament healthy, you know, I'll judge that Kansas team, which that Kansas team can win a national championship. But the one we're watching now, the guys limping and coming off illness, and they also just look tired. You know, they, yeah. they look like they just need a break. Um, it's harder to judge that team.
Yeah, the Saturday Monday turnarounds are not easy, especially when you're going to a, when you're going on the road from a Saturday Monday, really? and you're going to a place like Texas Tech. I mean, uh, look, uh, I, I didn't think Kansas was going to win last night. Uh, I thought Texas Tech was going to win. McCuller not playing, obviously, is, is part of that uh, conversation. But it's a tough place to play, you know. And uh, you know, my yeah. son this morning wakes up and he's like, "Daddy, you, you see the score with uh, with KU." Uh, and he's a Mizzou Tucky fan, um, Kentucky okay. fan. Um, he roots for yeah. both Mizzou and Kentucky, and I, you know, tell him that maybe more blue in your life would would be would be better there uh, if you're smart, son. You know, mom's a Kentucky fan, so no problem if you want to root for the Wildcats. And he's like, man, he's like, they they they, they must have been playing like Missouri last night. I'm like. Yes, son. <laughs> that is what they look like really. on the floor. <laughs> he's like, maybe, and he goes, uh, maybe Missouri can start playing like Kansas. And he goes, yeah, I doubt that. Yeah, yes, son, I doubt that as well. <laughs> I doubt that that's going to happen. He's eight, and he already gets it. Um, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I didn't, I, and I, and I told him, I'm like, look, man, there are places to play. I said, Iowa State, you know, can be like one of the best teams in America when they're playing at home. It's just a part yeah. of college basketball. It's part of the Big Twelve, and you kind of go into it knowing that these are games that are going to be tough if you find one a way to steal one you kind of feel like that's what you did and you stole one and i think that would have been the case last night if they'd have found a way to win but that place was so electric so fired up last night would have been a tough place for almost anybody in america to go and win yeah you know and i think they also had some some desperation you know a little bit yes uh as well i mean you know it's a texas tech team that had lost their their ranking and a lot of you know the polls and they were trying to Proved that they were still a, a top twenty-five kind of team after that three-game losing streak, and yeah, you play them on that Saturday, that Saturday Monday stretch where those are two home games for them. Yeah, they play UCF Saturday and then they play Kansas, mm-hmm. so so they're at home. Um, whereas you have a Kansas team that has to hit the road. So I mean, schedule's a part of it, but I also just think you know, and, and Bill Self said it like they, they just look, they look exhausted. I mean, the beauty of that schedule is. Fans go, oh, my goodness, Bill Self is willing to play anybody, anywhere. He plays Kentucky and, and Chicago at the Champions Classic. Then they go to Maui. Then they host UConn. You know, he goes to Assembly Hall, like all these great games. Whereas fans are like, yes, give us that. But now you're in a Big 12 that's more challenging than the Big 12 was in the past. you got to go to Houston. You know, you got to go play a Cincinnati team that no one thought would be tough, and here they are pushing teams. You know, UCF out of nowhere sells more seats than they ever have or white out, a, a sellout, and you got to beat them. So I, I just think this is a more challenging Big 12 slate. Uh, and when you put that with the teams they played in the non-conference schedule, the places they went in the non-conference schedule, all of a sudden those challenging schedules, which are fun for fans and great for the net ranking, they also wear teams down. And I think you're seeing a little bit of that in mid-February with Kansas. Visiting with Myron Metcalf benefiting CASA, uh, Jackson County CASA-MO.org. That's C-A-S-A, court-appointed special advocates for uh, 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 children, and they help speak up to help children who have been experienced, uh, who have experienced abuse or neglect and working within uh, children in the Jackson County uh, family court system until they have that safe and permanent home. It's Jackson County casa uh, dash mo dot org. As far as K State's concerned, they they end up losing on the road at BYU again. I don't think there's any shame in that as well. What, what can there be a takeaway from uh, Jerome Tang to his team that uh, you know they, they they trail by almost double digits at halftime? Uh, they're they're sitting there fighting back and fighting back. They outscore BYU by twelve. 
in the uh, final uh, seven minutes of that game. Uh, they they outscore them by ten in, in like a five minute stretch to to get within a possession um, and and come close with a you know a, what a, a minute to play or so when Kaluma made the uh, three pointer. Uh, is there a takeaway is there a, a lesson learned or is that one of those to where you're on the road that team's playing awesome you're fighting you're fighting you go on a run you make it close uh, ultimately you don't have enough to get over the hump uh, but is there something more there of uh, having that one stretch where BYU just got hot got went crazy and that kind of ended up being the difference in the game yeah I mean I don't think Jerome Tang is invested in any like thanks for playing hard you know almost <laughs> right, kind of right, stuff right, right? I don't think that's that's not how you get to the Elite Eight. That's not how you build up your reputation as a long-time assistant to get those opportunities. So, you know, the effort stuff for a team that's lost five of six, you got to pay attention to that. I mean, listen, you can't just get up for Kansas, you know. Um, that was a huge game, and there was a lot of buzz around that game. And I get it. But, you know, this is also a, a team that, you know, I think has – Three double-digit losses during that stretch, um, but also some games you could have had. Could have had Oklahoma State. You got to win that game. You can't lose to Oklahoma State. Being close to BYU doesn't mean anything at the end of the day because you still lost that game. So I think this is a Kansas State team that you know Jerome Tang has to find a way to get them to you know go into a game the way they went in the Kansas game last week. You know how, how do you how do you get this team up? for every game when they're really struggling. And listen, their schedule, there's still a bunch of games that they could lose. You know, they got to go to Texas still. They're going to Cincinnati, which, you know, Houston had trouble with them when they came back from that big deficit. Uh, but still, Houston walked away with a win. They still got to go to, to uh, Allen Fieldhouse. So, you know, I think if you're Jerome Tang, you're going, forget the effort stuff. Like, how do we play better offensively? So we're not losing these games because being a top 25 defensive team is great, but if you're not able to score consistently and you don't have the shooters, you're going to be in some tough spots and you're turning the ball over. So my my guess is Jerome Tang said more about the, the lack of offensive execution more than the effort. Visiting with Meyer Metcalf, uh, last one on the uh, men's college basketball side, because I want to get your thoughts on the South Carolina UConn game. Um, the uh, the Missouri Tigers uh, more likely they find a way to win ten SEC games or go uh, over in this SEC schedule. Oh man, that's here's I know a big my number. Answer. <laughs> yeah, I know my answer. Tanza. Sorry, not yeah, ten. Tanza, I meant uh, I meant two. Did I say Did I say ten? Well, I guess it would be if they. Yeah, if they win two more games, so it would be two games in the ten SEC games. to get to ten. ten games overall. Or, or two ten games overall, yeah, yeah. I mean, or, same thing, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they got to go to Ole Miss. They host yeah. Tennessee. Could they beat Arkansas yeah. at Arkansas? Maybe. Arkansas's not good right now either. I, I don't know. I probably I'm, – I'm going to trust that, you know, I think they get two. I mean, because it's okay. just hard to imagine the offer, but I also know it's been, you know – they haven't won a game in 2024, you know, and they've won one game, I think, since this, they've won one game since December 3rd, which is pretty wild, especially considering everything that happened last year. And I, you know, I feel for Dennis Gates. You know how I feel about Dennis Gates. Um, known him a long time um, when he was an assistant coming up the ranks and, and, you know, to the point he got here. And I, I just think it's hard, you know, when you get to this point because, 
you, you don't have the track record. I was just in South Carolina with Lamont Parrott and those guys, right, working on a piece about them. And the one thing he did, he said, you know, we beat Kentucky and we beat Tennessee. All of a sudden, as a coach, all the stuff you're selling about why we're doing the things we're doing in preparation, all of a sudden you have the proof. So now you don't have to sell it anymore. Now it's like, hey, look, look what we did and look at the result. Dennis Gates is in a position where he, can't, he has to keep selling the idea yeah. of, of what's possible, but you can't because you don't have the evidence. So, so now, I, like I always say, winning is a habit. I believe that. There are teams that get in tough spots. They're just used to winning, and that's how they play. Losing is also a habit. There are teams that get in tough spots, and they just don't know how to finish. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it in the yeah. season with guys who are just really struggling to, to avoid the blowouts. I mean, I think that's the scary thing if you're in Mizzou. It's like, I'm not going to say anybody would ever quit, but I do think there's an element of, like, not giving up, but, but wanting to, if you will, because you've seen this result so many times. Yeah, back-to-back losses at home by a combined 43 points is uh, no bueno uh, for this uh, Mizzou bad. team. You were Andy's there. bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were there in uh, South Carolina. You talk about the story that you're doing on the men's team, but South Carolina and UConn uh, in the building for that. You were in the building for that, correct? Yeah. No, I was there. What was, was, there. What, was uh, what was that like? Because uh, uh, that one felt like uh, that game, UConn was walking into that arena that um, I, the, the fans had a big part of the game. Uh, obviously, South Carolina is really good, but, uh, man, that was um, uh, that was a, it looked like an amazing atmosphere and, um, you know, UConn walking into a buzzsaw there. Yeah, Don Staley runs that whole campus. I mean, just the sellout crowd, the DJ, the vibe. It was just wild. Like when UConn, when South Carolina came out, I mean, that, that's a noise you don't hear very often in sports. But there was definitely a pop. And then when UConn came out, just the, <laughs> the sound of that, you know. And it was amazing just being in that atmosphere. Uh, it was a really just fun environment. And South Carolina's vicious. Like, like South Carolina's the kind of team where – you look at a game, you're like, okay, they're up 30. But Dawn is still coaching like they're down by 10, you know? And, and they, just, they just beat you up, man. I'm not saying in like a way where they're fouling everybody. They, they just, they'll fight you. And, and that's a lot, you know what I mean, to, for a team that is that talented but also willing to be scrappy. Uh, and also they put the same effort on offense as they do on defense. This isn't one of those UConn teams because of the injuries. You know, this isn't the great UConn teams we've seen. Paige Becker's two knee surgeries, and she's playing 39 minutes, uh, just putting everything on her shoulders. But I don't know how South Carolina loses, honestly, just based on the way they play. Um, it's pretty amazing. Myron Medcalf uh, from ESPN College Basketball Insider, sports fan, and uh, uh, analyst overall. Myron, we really appreciate the time as always, brother. We'll talk next week, and um, we'll uh, we'll continue our college basketball conversation, getting closer in to uh, March right around the corner. Thank you, sir, as always, man. All right, sounds good.
Absolutely. There's Myron Metcalf. When we talk with Myron, it benefits Jackson County Casa, court-appointed special advocates, community volunteers just like you. They stand up and speak out to help children who have experienced abuse or neglect. They recruit, train, and support the Casa volunteers to advocate for the best interests of children who are in the Jackson County family court system until they have a safe and permanent home. Uh, the website is jacksoncountycasa-mo.org, Jackson County C-A-S-A dash mo dot org we will take a time out we'll come back we'll get back into uh, some uh, nfl football some chiefs football um mic'd up some uh, different nfl films releasing some things out there that um there'll be more and more content of all the mic'd up stuff we'll uh, hear some of that uh, marshawn lynch loves 49ers fans uh, we can hear some of that as well and uh, patrick mahomes was on nfl network yesterday from disneyland and uh, talked about the emotions on the sideline with andy reed travis kelsey and also how much number seven drives him not harrison butker and him driving the football how much the number seven meaning super bowls from tom brady how much that drives him in his career we talk uh, about that and more we're hanging out at the uh, rally house power and light location is where we are today until two o'clock but all 16 kc metro rally house locations are getting you set for all of your chiefs gear with back-to-back super bowl champions parade tomorrow we'll take a time out we'll uh, come back more zone right after this All right, hanging out at the uh, Power and Light District Rally House location right now. Jason Anderson with you, Josh Briscoe, Dylan Michaels back at the studio. We'll be out here uh, again, uh, really close to this location for the parade tomorrow. Uh, but the uh, Rally House locations, this one uh, that we are at, but all of them getting you ready for the parade tomorrow and all of the Chiefs gear and the back-to-back. And uh, they'll be going for the three-peat uh, come uh, next year. And so, uh, yeah, enjoying the second parade in as many years uh, and what a fun ride it has been andy reed with his end of the year press conference uh he started off the zoom he was asked uh, how motivating a three-peat would be since it's never happened before you know saran i think they they probably know all that um i, I don't have to say much in in that area i didn't have to say much I, we just met so um but you, you know that that's a great challenge, and uh, most of all, you're going to be uh, challenged by other teams. If, if we thought we were challenged this year, we're, we're definitely going to be uh, challenged double that next year. And uh, just as a follow-up, Coach, uh, a takeaway maybe? I, I think you know, you're always studying the game. I'm sure you learn something from every season. Is there something that this season taught you more than – than any other, or you know, what something that stood out to you as kind of the lesson this season taught you? Yeah, Seren, I, I think um, what what you're seeing in the game today is these defensive coordinators, um, and I tell you, ours included, are uh, very flexible with their coverages. So it's not just one or two coverages that they're going to throw at you. Um, they're they're being able to teach multiple coverages. And they're not afraid to use them at any time during a game. So that's where I tell you the game's changing a little bit. As far as um, myself, uh, I, you know, obviously patience was one thing uh, that we had to do on the offensive side uh, as guys learned, the young guys learned or the new guys learned. 
Um, very grateful for the job that Spags did with the defensive side. And um, I thought that they uh, were, were a great example to everybody of taking young guys, teaching them, and watching them grow like uh, they had to do last year. And we were able to <clears throat> really come to a strength last year um, on defense for uh, the playoffs. And it kind of worked that way this year with the offense. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, defense improved as the season went along while the offense was number one in the NFL. This year, the offense had to eventually get there while the defense carried them. Uh, complimentary football in complimentary seasons. So just doing it a couple of different ways uh, for the Chiefs, which is also part of this back-to-back. They didn't just win back-to-back doing it the exact same way, just outscoring everybody, return everybody the next year, outscore everybody, and then you go and win. They had to win two different Super Bowls against two different teams in two different ways. And uh, the lessons of the season for Andy Reid, that was an interesting one, for himself, patience learning patience as a man who's been uh, coaching for uh, 20 years. Uh, Andy Reid continued in his Zoom, says that uh, he wants the guys to have fun at the parade, but within reason. Uh, yeah, that was mentioned um, a couple times. So uh, it's great to have fun. Uh, but, you know, be smart. Go next to Vahe Gregorian. Go ahead, Vahe. Hey, Andy, congratulations again. Um, Brad, two things, if I might. Uh, one, Andy, I, I think anybody that's around Patrick understands that he's, you know, got a pretty deep reservoir of competitiveness and won't get complacent. But I wonder if you might describe what gives you that confidence that that his hunger remains what it is, and he'll just ratchet it up more. Yeah, he has a he has a love for the game, and and so when when you have that type of love especially as young as he is that's uh i don't think that's going anywhere and he doesn't let all the outside uh events affect his play i mean he's you know he's one of those guys that is known worldwide really and that doesn't that really doesn't face him and, and the other thing is just uh, wondering when the last time you, you jumped on a dog pile like that, the way you did with Chris uh, would have been, and just what that moment was like uh, to, to let that out like that. Yeah, well, I was so happy for him. I've kind of been riding him a little bit. We we needed him in there, and he was spent. And um, he was tired, but he sucked it up, and he got out there, and he pushed himself probably further than he thought he could push himself. You know, I mean, he took himself to that, that state, you know, that wrestling state where you you got to, you got, uh, you know, to really reach down in there and kind of get through that evil thing that's like kicking your butt in, internally. So he did that, and um, I was so proud of him for that. Pause. I mean, <laughs> pause. That's one of those to where. Uh, Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura when he's drinking and then he just spits it. Oh, come on! on! <laughs> yeah, no Chris one Jones will think that awesome. audio is funnier than Chris Jones will. That that uh, I know that that will that will work for Chris Jones' sense of humor. Chris Jones was really good in the game. He was Fantastic, absolutely man. good in the game. Whatever uh, it takes. Andy Reid continued. He says that uh, he is hopeful. Speaking of Chris Jones, he's hopeful that Chris Jones returns to Kansas City. Yeah, listen, uh, I, I think 
you know, Veach has said it before, we'd love to have them back. And, um, uh, you know, it, they've just got to work all that out. So, um, but I, I think the, the effort will be there probably on both parts to try to get something done. Let's go next to Todd Lebo. Go ahead, Todd. Coach, I wanted to ask you another kind of a fun one. I had a chance to talk to your son, Spencer, at one of the media day things. And I just wanted to know how much fun it was to share that moment with him after the game. I saw you guys got a big hug and just having him around because he's been out West for so long. Yeah, it was great. It was great to have him on board. And I thought he did a, you know, did a nice job along with the the strength coaching staff. They, uh, uh, they really, they kept us in a good position throughout the year and and injury wise, you know, they, they worked with the trainers, make sure guys got back uh, quick. So, but no, it's great. I mean, there's no feeling like that to have one of your kids there and, uh, in a situation like that. Yeah, he's, uh, look, he's, he's been, um, as a strength and conditioning for a while. Um, and as, um, uh, Todd said there out West and now with the Kansas City Chiefs and now winning a Super Bowl, getting himself a ring, uh, as well is, uh, Spencer Reed. Andy Reed, uh, loving the offenses, uh, said that uh, having two teams in the Super Bowl using the old West Coast offense has meant something to him. Yeah. Yeah, and you can even take it further to Paul Brown, uh, who yeah. taught Bill Walsh. And, I mean, that's something. I mean, uh, to say that it's time-tested is probably an understatement. Uh, but it's uh, – uh, and they are different very – we, we've stretched ours in a certain direction, and, and Kyle's done the same thing. Uh, but it's, um, it's, you know, like I said, it's time-tested and really a good deal. He, you know, Kyle did a heck of a job this year, and I, I don't want to let that slide uh, on this. He he really is a heck of a football coach, and I, that game could have gone either way. That was one of those those kind of games, and uh, I'm fortunate to say we came out on our side, well, on the positive side, but it could have easily been – it could have easily gone that other way. Yeah. And, and then my second question for you, after the parade, what's kind of the next couple of weeks like for you out of the combine? You kind of take a couple of weeks to reset, or you just dive into twenty twenty four. Yeah, well, well, the coaches will take a little bit, uh, just a little, right around a week off, and um, but then we've got a, we've got the combine coming up, so we got to get ourselves ready for that, uh, and and uh, so and then it just goes from there. I mean, it's we're we're in the swing of things after that once you get to the combine. Yeah, the combine starts February twenty seventh. So they will have a parade on the 14th, and less than two days later will be there, or two weeks, <laughs> two weeks you know, later. You like two days. Yes, it will. But less than two weeks later, the combine will start, and we are four, three, three weeks away from the franchise tag deadline. That's March 5th. Today is uh, February 13th. Um, <laughs> and there's I only 28 it. days in, uh, in fe- if you didn't know, there's only 28 days in February. Not this year, though. This year there's not. Uh, there's 29, extra one in there. 29 days in, uh, in February. But March 5th is the franchise tag deadline. A month from tomorrow, free agency begins. My favorite sports season is NFL season, and my second favorite season is the NFL offseason. Like, genuinely, I think that's, that's almost true, uh, if not genuinely true. And even I could take an extra couple of weeks. <laughs> It's less than two weeks. The, the Chiefs will have a parade. And less than two weeks, the Combine will be going on. That's unbelievable, dude. The unbelievable. Chiefs will have a parade. And three weeks after that, 
the franchise tag deadline. The Chiefs will have a parade, and one month exactly on March 14th, free agency begins. League year. We're on it, dude. I, I hope <laughs> – listen, here, here's really how it should work at this point. If, uh, like, if you're at the front office, if you're, you're Veach and, and the rest of the crew, um, just get as drunk as you can tomorrow, whatever yeah. you, however you want to celebrate tomorrow, go absolutely ham. And when you sober up, you get like one day of, at home, and then the work year starts again. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. And, and all the while, today, pitchers and catchers report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yet – the combine is like a couple weeks away. Uh, unbelievable. The combine, yeah, two weeks away from today. Two weeks from today, the NFL combine going on. Um, so great question by Nick Jacobs, just sort of to put into perspective of how quickly this whole thing turns around. Like, Andy, what will you do? Will you take some time off? Will you go to your uh, your beach house to sit in your uh, office and watch plays and draw plays right, on the napkins? On the beach, right. Which is what people have talked about that, that you're going to do anyway. So why would you retire? Because all you're going to do is watch football plays. Are you going to do that over the next couple of weeks? What do you do? Uh, Andy Reid uh, continued, and he uh, he went through what happened with Travis Kelsey on the sideline on Sunday. Now, listen, um, he and I have talked, and that's not a big deal. So I, I wouldn't anticipate other players doing that. So All right. And, and, and then also, I mean, the – the stress that it, it has probably gone for you and your coaching staff and the players, six years worth of, of playing at a minimum of 19 games uh, each year. Can you talk about the, uh, you know, talk about uh, the mental and the physical uh, drawbacks that that has taken, you know, uh, your coaching staff, families, and people involved in, in to this type of success that you all have had? I think you played maybe 120 games over the last six seasons, which is probably more than any team in, in, throughout this type of run. Yeah, listen, I mean, we, we try to manage that um, the best we can uh, with the off season. So the guys can refresh and get themselves back and ready to go. I think the way training is now, it's year round. And so uh, guys know how to manage that. And, um, and, and so it, it's all worked out. Okay. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Go last to Vahe. Go ahead, Vahe. Hey Andy, I, I know you're probably already looking forward instead of back, but, but I, I wonder if you might just be able to describe in what ways you sort of appreciated the moment and, you know, just your own perspective on what what this this time has meant. Obviously, I know you're not done, but what 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 this has felt like when you step back for a moment. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I, I was to back to back to win one is tough. To win two back to back is is really tough. I mean, that's not that's not an easy thing uh, to do, and <clears throat> to know the effort that the guys put into it. The, the way they stuck together through the highs, the lows, um, you know, you see offensive guys wearing T-shirts around and say, in Spags, we trust. I mean, you know, it's not – it's it's a joint effort. And um, and so there there wasn't an offense versus defensive thing. It was us playing and uh, as one group. And special teams, likewise. Uh, you know, the guys jumping in and – just doing a phenomenal job on special teams when needed. And, um, and so everybody had a little piece of the pie and that's, that's gratifying as a head coach to, to be around something like that. It is great. You know, offense, uh, loving up the defense. And, uh, I talked about before we, uh, had Myron Metcalf on just going through Patrick Mahomes Twitter account today and all of the tweets he has put out today. So many of them about defensive players. Uh, and retweeting stats about defensive players. Mike Pinnell and Trent McDuffie and Legereus Needed, Shamari Connor, and tweets about Harrison Butker, et cetera, et cetera. 
And tomorrow will be that parade. And uh, remember back to last year's parade on the stage when Chris Jones grabbed the mic and said, run it back, run it back. They did. They did. And then uh, Patrick Mahomes ended it by, we'll see you guys here next year. They will. And they will. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue rolling. We will hear some uh, mic'd up stuff. Um, and then we'll hear from Todd Lebo coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. More zone next. All right, wrapping up this hour, we will talk with Todd Lebo coming up on the other side. And uh, he is going to be getting ready for the Royals press conference coming up at 2.30. Our location is the Rally House Power and Light location. The Royals' location for their press conference is out at Kauffman Stadium about the site that they will be planning to build on, which is a few uh, blocks away from here, just across 670, which eventually we'll be able to just walk to on a park as they cover 670. I guess you could walk there if you just walk down Grand, but you get the point that as that thing will be covered. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what all the things the uh, Royals will announce today out at the uh, press conference. But we'll talk with Todd Lebo, some Chiefs stuff, his uh, experiences there in Vegas, and uh, some other things as uh, Andy Reid with his postseason press conference wrapping things up. One more hour to go on this Tuesday.